the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. For sports fans, there's no better place to get the breaking news, real time commentary from Paul for Stories than The Athletic. There's gambling, there's betting, there's fantasy, there's college sports. It is college basketball season officially. I saw Duke take a charge last night. That means basketball is officially here and I can care about it. Visit theathletic.com slash SpotTrack, S-P-O-T-R-A-C, and get 40% off your first year subscription. Plenty of podcasts there as well. My name is Mike Giannetti. Here's the agenda for today, our midweek show. Scott Allen for a few minutes here off the top. Go through a couple of uh, poll questions, I guess. I, uh, I threw out some quick content last night on Twitter, and I think it's worth discussing because it's four different angles from three different sports all kind of relevant to where we may be headed with those sports specifically over the next couple of months. So I'll get Scott in for that here. Back end of the show, Mark Cabali, Pittsburgh Steelers writer for The Athletic. Tons of great insight, tons of great deep dive work in terms of the offseason for Pittsburgh. Not just that quarterback position. There's lots of holes, lots of potential cuts, lots of movement. And we talk trades because I think that's how that Steelers team can get better fast. And Mark brings some great insight to the back end of this show. Speaking of which, Every time I drop a show, I'm going to have a corresponding newsletter. SpotTrack now has a newsletter. It's called The Daily Spot. It's the almost daily <laughs> spot, I guess. is Two, three times a week I'll do this. Um, just kind of different elements, right? What's trending in sports business? What's trending on SpotTrack? And I extrapolate on a couple of those topics with a couple of paragraphs here and there. So if you're interested, we do have a link on the website. And any anyone in the premium sphere, you're autom- automatically getting this uh, out of the gate. So thank you to those that subscribe. Jump onto the newsletter. It's going to be a new little avenue for us to get the content out there when I can't think of the what to say on this podcast a couple times a week. Let's talk a little bit with Scott. All right, Scott, before we get to this poll question and kind of dive into some of these options, uh, your neck of the woods is the NBA. I've done very little work on the NBA so far this season. So anything we should know about, any kind of update you need to bring from that spectrum? Trades uh, seem to be maybe starting to come through. We had one this morning, uh, real early this morning, um, between the uh, Denver Nuggets, San Antonio Spurs, and the Boston Celtics. Sounds like the uh, Celtics are going to uh, bring on Dozier and Bull Bull, and sounds like they're probably going to waive them. And the reason they did so is to help reduce their luxury tax uh, that they're potentially going to have to pay. So there's probably going to be some more moves yeah, out of Boston. this doesn't get them under yet, does it yet, Scott? No, it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, as of our numbers, I believe they uh, their taxes at like 4-6. Um, uh, so they are, uh, let's see, they are 2.7 above mm. the luxury tax base right now. So th- there may be another move or two coming to get closer down. I still think it's Schroeder, don't you? Yeah, it, it probably is him. Then maybe, uh, you know, maybe they could flip one of these guys again to mm. lower based on salary matching or another teammate just take on those contracts with a an exception. So then they wouldn't necessarily have to have a salary matching to come back. They could just send a pick or a cash or something like that to offset again. Yeah, that's uh, because that's, they could, that's a situation I've heard with Schroeder, Scott, is you send him to a team like Dallas who has a gigantic trade exception, and then you can just offload that tax. That's that's the move here for Boston, right? Yeah, probably. There's some manipulation that they can do for sure to uh, lower that uh amount that they're over the tax uh, they're going to get they're going to get unique with what they are, are going to do we've seen this with teams in the past where they've uh, done whatever houston comes mm-hmm. to mind that they are a team in the past that they made so many moves and got themselves under by a thousand dollars or whatever it might be boston is in that in that zone right now of what can we do to at least mitigate that luxury tax. And so we saw this three team trade. We're probably going to see more moves, not just from Boston, but from other teams now that we're getting closer to the deadline. Um, And, and this, this goes back to 
Bull Bull was supposed to be ha- traded to Detroit, but there was a situation where Detroit did their uh, physical on him and actually failed him. So that trade was actually voided, and now he's being moved to Boston. For Just for cash purposes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's going to be a buyout. Uh, you understand how this works. All right, let's get to some, uh, some multi-sport content. And by the way, Boston may be a part of this conversation here, so don't don't shy away from them. Here's the here's the question I posed last night, somewhat jokingly, right? I mean, I was kind of being silly with this poll question, but the, the more I thought about it, the more these options at least all have some sort of substance, respectively speaking. Who who or what comes back first? Deshaun Watson, in whatever breath you want to take, whether that is a return to Houston, whether that's a return to the NFL, whether that's a return to a different team um, or not. By the way, you can argue, and I haven't read the mentions, but somebody maybe already did. He hasn't left. <laughs> he was he was a healthy scratch for 18 weeks. He got paid $10.54 million. He simply did not play for Houston. He was a luxury box sweet player, QB3, all year long. So he didn't exactly leave. He's just not being asked to play or being told or, or telling Houston he's not going to play. One of the two. Similarly, Ben Simmons is the second option on this list. Uh, you know, I'm not going to go down the mental health stuff, Scott, because it's, it is what it is. I, I guess that's, that's the vice he's using. And if he's dealing with things, then hopefully that's getting sorted out by the proper channels. But he's also refusing to play. I think, and I've read enough, Daryl Morty would take him back right now. Is that incorrect and sane? I'm not sure. I don't, I don't have a read on that. I think he would play right now if Ben Simmons decided that was something he was able to do. I'm reading, yeah, enough, it, I'm reading enough here. I'm thinking out loud here. Sorry. I'm reading enough to, the, to where I'm at the point, Scott, that I do not believe he gets traded February 10th. I mean, I'm under the same boat. I think Morey is going to keep his foot down and he is going to let some of these teams that are ninth, 10th, 11th, and 12th have the year that they're going to have. And I'm going to bring Boston back into this conversation. I think he looks at Daryl Morey looks at Boston right now and knows they're broken and knows that Brad Stevens is brand new at this stuff and knows that that coach is already on the firing block, whether it's warranted or not at that, at some point in time in the NBA, when it gets to this point, Something has to change. Something massive has to change. And Daryl Morey thinks that Jalen Brown is going to be that something. <laughs> and and if he can get that in July, he'll wait. He'll wait right now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think both sides are so deep into this now that neither wants to give in. So if you're Ben Simmons, oh, camp, I disagree, you don't- Scott, I think clutch... I think they're, you're going to start hearing a heck of a lot from them over the next three weeks. They want the heck out of here, and they are going to be miserable if Maury well, doesn't do it. Miserable. Well, I, I, but from what I'm saying is, yes, they're going to want to be out, but they're going to stand pat that they are not going to play for Philly, and subsequently sure. Philly is not going to give in and just trade for anybody. Now, uh, so – the fact that they're this far into the season and neither has really budged and they uh, supposedly had conversation last week and nothing came out of it. You know, I believe that we'll probably get past the deadline and Ben Simmons will still be a 76er for the remainder of the season. Does he play? No, I'm going to say no. I think he'll, he'll sit the rest of the season out and just eat the, the fines that he's going to get because a, he, was paid a chunk of money in the offseason, and he's still getting paid whether they're fining him the amount that they are or not. He's still getting paid somewhat. It, it may come down to it, – it's going to be interesting to see if the 76ers wait as long as they do, and then we've seen this in the past where there may be a trade once Philadelphia is out of the playoffs. They are trade eligible after the, if they lose in the postseason. Um, so we may see in between that July 1st mm-hmm. area that they trade Ben Simmons on this 2021 money, or the rumors are that, you know, Morey wants 
a potential James Harden sign trade. So does something come of that where you get a multi-team trade? You know, there are so many working pieces that could happen, but I'm going to say that Ben Simmons is a 76er and he is not the first to come back. Okay. By the way, let, let me get the four options out here. Deshaun Watson, Ben Simmons, Major League Baseball, and Andrew Luck. And you can laugh at the last one until you think about it for four seconds and realize just how stuck that team might be. They, they hate their quarterback. They hate it. I know what they just gave up for him. The GM just came out and said, we have no idea what's going to happen from now on. And I'm paraphrasing, but not really. <laughs> right? So unless the answer is Kirk Cousins or Russell Wilson or some home, you know, I guess Watson has to be a clear candidate for that team. Andrew Luck might be the best option for that team. He's not coming back. There's a lot of satire in that in him being on this list. But the point of it is the quarterback situation in Indy is a mess. And mm-hmm. they are admitting that out loud to us now. So I don't even have to to you know really conjecture that. But but also is is it a coincidence that he showed up on TV and made an appearance or he hasn't <laughs> yes. made an appearance. You know, if you, if in our neck of the woods, we read between the lines, read the tea leaves, whatever it may be there. The fact that he was on national TV out of the blue may say something. I'm actually going to go out of your four options here. I, I think Deshaun Watson is back. Uh, first out of these four options. So does that I think mean major- he's traded and he becomes the, the face of a new franchise? I, I think that's the case, especially okay. with all of these, you know, coaching openings that have happened. I, Which team, I feel Scott? That, do you have a team in mind? Because I do. And it's, know, that has changed because of other parameters right now. Are you going to say the Giants? No, because I'm, uh, no, I've got a different guy for the Giants, which I'm not sure I want to bring up right now. <laughs> um. I don't have a specific team in mind. I just think he will be traded. Okay. He will. And it's going to probably be a team with a new head coach. If I had to guess uh, that qualifies if, for my team. I think <laughs> I, I still don't know a, a specific team, but I, it, it, with the head coach, but I think he will be moved first because of how the calendar lines up. Maybe he's traded in the next two months, but, but the fact that the, uh, NFL offseason is in that second week of March. Major League Baseball, it doesn't sound like they're anywhere close right now. So they're not probably, even to start till March first. Right. So yeah, I, I can't I think even that's put right. that. By, I start, by, by the way, by start I mean negotiating. Actually negotiating. They're not going to get there until regular season games are two weeks away and everybody starts looking at paychecks that are lost and gambling money that's not going to happen right. and TV money that's going to have to get canceled. When that start, stuff starts to become a problem, then they'll start to really have conversations. So I agree with you in that regard. I'm going to give you some hints on this Deshaun Watson team. By the way, all of this is, is assuming the fact that he gets through February with his depositions and either settles out or, or, or gets through that legal process properly without any replications. He, he, he's going to be suspended, in my opinion. Don't you agree? We, we can't just qualify what he went through in Houston as a suspension. There's no way. The league has to step in after the legal proceedings finish. So he's going to be missing four to six to eight weeks, in my opinion. But I don't think that's going to stop this particular team from doing it. This team has been rumored with another veteran quarterback. But my thinking is that veteran quarterback is no longer going to be available. The Raiders? No. Cleveland? No. <laughs> Man, I'm over. Give it to me. Okay, so if the Packers keep Rodgers, which I, I just can't see how that doesn't happen. To me, Minnesota? it's Green Bay or retirement for Rodgers. Uh, Denver's got nothing. Uh, and right. I got crushed for putting Drew Locke on a cut list this week in our offseason piece by all of Denver. Who who looks at Drew Locke and says, oh, that guy's, we just got to give him more opportunities. He's had three years. <laughs> he was the actual starting quarterback on his rookie contract for a year and a half. What are we doing here? No, yeah. No. You have to, that team is ready to go right now. All the weapons are there. The offensive line has been paid. They, they've, they've already done the homework and the defense is good enough. They've probably replaced a couple of, of edge rushers at this point, but that defense is good enough. They spent like $700 million on their secondary last year. They are ready to win right now. And if Rogers says, I'm not leaving, 
this is the next. I don't think Russell Wilson's an option there. That's just my opinion. But I think Deshaun is. I think they go all in for Deshaun Watson, and that's the lo- logical s- spot for both teams. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that makes sense. Makes so, sense. And by the way, Matthew Stafford's trade to Los Angeles, we knew about that about February 18th. So even though the league year doesn't start till March 16th, I, like I said, the second Watson it gets cleared, legally speaking, and like I said, that there's a lot to that. I'm not trying to desensitize to that. Um, the only thing that may hold up him moving is we need the league to come out and say, all right, you know, he's going to be suspended for six weeks after that. Well, you know, blah, blah, blah. So there may be some litigation process with the NFL, which that could take a while knowing what we know about the NFL. I agree with you. I think the Watson stuff moves quicker than any of this. Um, But I'm going to disagree with you on Ben Simmons. Okay. Scott, I think there's a point where clutch is going to have to give in and it won't be February 11th, right? If, if, if the trade deadline passes, there's going to be a couple of weeks of grace periods here, by the way, quick discussion on his fines. There's no way he's being fined the full amount. There's no way Daryl Morey can put his foot down this hard, say what he said publicly, and also fine him the maximum amount every single game. To me, and I'm not saying it's a loophole, but the mental health stuff has to help him in that favor. You know what I mean? Because technically mm-hmm. he's on an injured list right now. And they have everybody's got to be sensitive to that. To, to me, he's either not being fined at all, or it's maybe a 50-50 situation where he's making half of his paycheck right now. Something to, something to that regard. But you get past that deadline, and the, the well wishes that maybe you've had up to this point, maybe it's 1% at this point between those two sides, it's gone. So Maury's going to have to give something in that regard. And to me, this is what he's going to say. You're welcome to come back on the court anytime you want. Whenever you're feeling up to it, we'd love to have you back on, on whatever role you can give us because we, we could use the depth down the stretch, the dog days of the year, uh, of the season. I think he plays. I think he plays because he knows now that he's going to get moved in July and he has to put his best foot forward, get himself in a basketball shape, get 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 in the people in the back of people's minds like, hey, this is the kind of stuff I can still bring to a team. And by the way, if it's Brooklyn, <laughs> right, you want to be at maximum peak, uh, you know, basketball shape. You want to be showing that you can be a replacement for DeAndre, whatever the hell they need inside, you know, internally right now, a a replacement for Kyrie Irving for whatever that's going to be. You know what I mean? That team could be in shambles here. They may need Ben Simmons. Kevin Durant may need Ben Simmons if that becomes a real thing at some point in time. So I think he plays, I think it's Marchish, so that the Watson Ben Simmons stuff could be very aligned in terms of how that works mm-hmm. out. But I agree that Major League Baseball's third. I just think they're going to ha- keep having these Zoom calls that go absolutely nowhere, and it'll be good content for Twitter, which is really what this is all about, driving some narratives for now. When they smell the money, they'll start to talk, and that's going to be March. So th- they'll start to kick the wheels around pitchers and catchers, which is what Valentine's day around there. We'll start to hear some real conversations, but then I I think the actual back and forth stuff doesn't happen until March 1st. So there'll be, there'll be a, I think these conversations could all be happening at the same time. I think there's a real chance. Ben Simmons is the first person to actually go out and play a game (laughs) of all three of these guys right now. Yeah. To play a game. Cause obviously Watson isn't going to be able to play a game until well, the let, fall at some point, but let me throw this I, at you. Let, let me, saying. let me turn the knife a little bit on this one. So Watson, Ben Simmons, major league baseball, Carson Wentz. Mm. In whatever capacity, is he released? Is he traded? Is he, is he given a vote of confidence from any that he's going to be the QB one in 2022? Is there, is there some f- sort of finality to Carson Wentz before Watson is traded before Ben Simmons returns to the 76ers? or I guess is traded to another team. And before major league baseball starts game number one, do we know more about Carson Wentz in early March, or is there going to be a wait and see right through the draft and all that? I'm going to say wait and see because they at least have a quarterback on their roster. And if they feel that they can upgrade at some point, they can release him, do whatever at that point. 
So I'm going to say they they hold Pat for the time being. By the way, obviously this is a Watson destination, but would would they trade him in division? I tend to think no. Now I, I would say no. Thought, but I, I, I that's how I kind of address that. I would say no unless you're getting an uh, unbelievable package back. Yeah, that you you can't say no to. So I, I was reading the mentions here. Someone had added uh, like Urban Meyer to your list here. Jake Gruden comes to <laughs> Urban Meyer John where Gruden. on TV. I, I don't know. They I, mean, I could see him Meyer. as an analyst again, but not for a while. You got to let that stink wear off a little bit. Right. What was the other one? Jake. Um, I, I thought of John Gruden. Oh no! Same conversation. Maybe TV, yep. but it's going to be years. I was trying to think of some other other players that could fall into this conversation, whether it's injury or... Um, right, we just got Clay. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. John so, Wall. Does John Wall play again? Right. That, that, that That's a good one, too, because he, he has actually, you know, sort of started to be talked about a little bit more as we get closer because does... Uh, you know, does somebody trade for him? You know, the one name that I bring uh, that I've heard a couple times in this last week was wall for Westbrook again. Does no. that happen? No, we can't I, go I down that path again. No, no, but I'm just saying, you know, the conversations are happening. There are people, players that have not played in a while that could fit into this list. I, I do like the list. I thought it was, you know, you, you have a nice mix here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Watson. If uh, my final answer Watson is traded first before anything else happens here. I agree. I think that is the the Schefter bomb comes first, right? Because it it can't formally happen until March 16th, which is interesting because March 16th might be a really good day for baseball, might be a really good day for a Carson Wentz situation. You know, it's probably a little too late for Ben, in my opinion, for Ben Simmons. If he's not playing on March 16th, I, I guess he's out. I, to me, to me, there's going to be a, a shock period, February 11th, when he's not traded. I mean, the, you know, Woj and those guys, they're going to go nuts on this. And they may be expecting it too, but they're going to have a field day with articles and pods and, and, and TV hits discussing Ben Simmons' options now going forward when he can't be traded this year until, what, technically July 1st, right? There's a moratorium period where, where, where we're here, we'll speculate, but... Yeah, te- technically, I mean, if they're if they they're out in the first round of the playoffs, the, technically they can trade with any other team that is not in the playoffs up until July first. Using but seventy sixers are going to be this in the money. playoffs, right? But it just depends on how. I mean, once the finals are done, all teams are available, and you know we've seen those trades of Chris Paul or oh, right. those other things, and it's based on this year's money, not next year's money. And there's other stipulations of who can be traded and not traded, but. There is that caveat that it could happen at that point mm-hmm. or it could wait until July 1st where you could do a sign and trade with somebody or, you know, you just make an outright trade to bring somebody in. So I, I agree these next two months yeah, with the NBA here. trade deadline, the NFL free agency league year, major league baseball, you know, there's so much that's going to happen in the next two months. And, you know, I, I think it would be interesting to see some quarterbacks being traded and, you know, the amount of quarterbacks and head coaches that could be moved here uh, and signed is it's, it's fascinating. I don't know if we're going to get the blockbuster quarterback trade ahead of that league year, but oh, the, the it's going to happen. Of- it's gonna happen. Can, can I, do you want me to give you my, uh, my giant situation? Yeah. Hit yeah me. To me, that's the, that's the Russell Wilson move now. Um, and I realize that sounds cliched, but there's a little bit of a, a LeBron angle to this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Go to the big city where you can literally, you can, you can create the canvas. I mean, there's some weapons there that, that to me is the first thing I'm thinking of when I'm thinking of Russell Wilson, he's leaving four really good weapons, really good weapons. You know, uh, the Metcalf locket stuff and this Freddie Swain kid can play. He's got a couple of running backs, maybe four now, with Penny and Collins playing well this year. I, you can't go to a bottom barrel offensive team. So if you're thinking, you know, Carolina, there's there's too many inconsistencies there. If you're thinking the Raiders, you know, the Renford Wall stuff is good, and Jacobs has made a comeback. That that's somewhat comparable, and I put them in this conversation as well. But there's some legit wide receiver play now with Galladay and Tony, and uh, and Barkley. You know, if you can keep him healthy. But not only that. 
Russell Wilson can, can, can have a factor in this coaching position. There's a new GM coming in. It's a whole clean slate, which I think is ridiculously attractive to a veteran superstar quarterback who can have input. It's he said it out loud. He wanted input in Seattle. I'm not sure that he got it. You know, Aaron Rodgers got it in Green Bay. Finally, he got it. He got the, to push some things around a little bit here this year. I think Russell wants that really badly. And you can call it disarray in, in, in New York right now for the Giants. And there is a lot of it. But maybe to Russell, he sees that as, oh, I can come in here and kind of call my shots. And if they allow him to do that, if that's part of this, this deal, I think that's extremely attractive to him. Yeah, but wasn't that offensive line like atrocious? Yeah, Why would you go from a a bad offensive line to a worse one? They, yeah, they could they spend, can spend but... on that. They can spend on that. They they are way more aggressive than Seattle's ever been in that regard in terms of draft and free agency. That, that, I had, that I had is Kim true. Jones on a couple of weeks ago, Scott, and that's the one thing that we talked about was the Giants aren't bad because they aren't trying. <laughs> they try every single offseason, maybe too much, you know. Uh, so they're going to do what they need to do. Uh, and, you know, it's not going to be Gettleman. It'll be somebody else. But I do think that Russ, that, that the idea of him coming in and being the guy, not only on the field, but also with some of the decision-making is extremely attractive to him. And it's a New York market, similar to what yeah. LeBron went to with the Lakers. There's, there's tons of clout in that. Um, and the division. The, right. one, the one reason Russell should leave the most is look around him. <laughs> I mean, the climb up that ladder in that division right now is a mess. But you look at Dallas, Washington, and Philly, and you hit a, on a couple of free agents and draft picks this this offseason, and you should be competing for that division lead immediately. You make a great point with that. If you're a superstar player, you have to keep that in mind, the, the right. division, because the amount of games that you play. Look what happened in the NBA. The West was stocked for so long, and now all of a sudden there's a shift, and now we're talking about the East and the, you know, these certain teams, you know, that are. There's been that pendulum shift back to sort of East and West, and who is deeper now, whereas opposed to a few years ago, the West was so deep, and the East really didn't have anybody. It, when we're talking about these quarterbacks, you, you're right. You have to look at what teams are you going to play the most? And in that division, it, it, it's a crapshoot right now. And, you know, I know you had your, your open on the Dallas Cowboys, but they're, they're iffy whether they keep and run it back with some of those players or they move on. So, you know, you can't even, you can't even shoo them in for being the number one seed in the NFC East. So I agree uh, with the fact that if he does want to go to the Giants, that is... There are better the, options, but there may not be more complete options for what he's looking for specifically as a veteran quarterback. You know what I mean? I think he's a very right. sophisticated, very um, maybe even complicated guy when it comes to some of the outside of the football stuff. So I don't think it's as easy as let's find the best roster and put him on there. Because if that was the case, he should be going to Denver. That's the best... That, that's the team to me that is most complete to win, and, and, although the division is, is, a, is a burner. So, you know, when you're, when you're sacking it up, that's tough sledding. But um, I just see that there are, there are different angles to the Giants that may attract Deshaun Watson. Let's finish on this. Ready? I just thought of it. I'm sure somebody mentioned this. I'm not going to read. What if I added Antonio Brown to our Who Returns First list? <laughs> Oh, what if, wow. What if the chiefs yeah. beat the bills, but Byron P Pringle goes out with a torn Achilles knock on wood for Pringle. Yeah. I've the heard chiefs this signing team. him Monday morning. I, I I've heard this. I heard this last week. I think is, is it a possibility if, you know, Tyree kill with his ankle yeah. has an issue? Do they sign him? Uh, I, I'm going to say no. I, for the the headaches and and everything, even though the talent is there, I think we've seen enough with the uh, everything else so that are you Antonio he Brown brings. Even sign with a team next year at all? I, maybe next year, possibly this 
postseason, no. And that, we won't go down that conversation of should these players even be able to be signed in the postseason and be eligible and whatnot. Um, but for next, possibly for next offseason or next season with the talent that is there, but he's going to have to really show, you know, he's made strides. But I still that that percentage is very low. If he is on a roster, I just think we've seen so much that maybe that has finally outweighed the talent that he has. I think he's done. I think the, the wounds that he created with Tom Brady, that's it. Mm -hmm. That's it. It, to me, it's like if you rub LeBron James the wrong way and the league sees it, that's like a death sentence for you, right? Like if you can't figure it out with LeBron, if you can't figure it out with Brady and he did for a while, I'm not going to say he didn't, but the, the way that it finished and the way that he went on to podcast and trash Brady a little bit and then tried to apologize for it. That's it. To me, that's a death sentence. I, I think he's done. So, you know, it's possible because talent wins out, especially when he's dirt cheap, but I, I do think he's done. I just felt like we should have added him to this list because it's, yep, you're right. It's polarizing. Good stuff, man. We'll talk soon. All right. Have a good one. All right. It's officially the offseason for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Good to be joined by Mark Cabali, the Pittsburgh Steelers beat at the athletic. Mark, thanks for coming back to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Mike. Yeah, you bet. Before we get to the easy stuff, right? The Ben, the quarterbacks, the uh, where, where do we go from here question. I want to ask you this one because you, you follow this team closely. And to be honest, I, I, I watched a lot of Steelers. I didn't really dive too deep until, you know, the last couple of days here prepping for this. What is the identity of the team we just finished watching? Because they draft Najee Harris. Ben can't move. You know, I, my basically assumption the whole year was this was just going to be a run first team that that grounds and pounds and, and wins with defense. And then I start to look at some of these team stats, Mark, and they're middle of the road in passing. They're the second best return team. You know, Ben's passing was up there with uh, some of the top 10 players in terms of efficiency. You know, I, I understand that that's a bit of a loaded situation. And then they're, they're near the bottom of the rushing stats in terms of team. They're literally second last in yardage. You know, there's almost no first downs gained uh, for, through the rushing game. It, it's just a weird dynamic. It, to me, it, did they enter thinking one thing and it just didn't work out? Yeah, you know what happened here. They had the whole plan of revamping the entire run game from last year. You look back even two or three years, the running game was just awful. So they came in with the plan of just revamping it. And what that means is a new, actually like a new way of going about things. They want to be more physical. They want to be a, a team that was going to uh, stick to the run game, push people around. So they brought in a new off, new, uh, Offensive line coach, new assistant offensive line coach. And they had these plans, you know, I guess you can say they're pretty big plans of, of fixing this. They, they uh, promote Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator. Um, they draft Najee Harris, and all of a sudden they realize, I think, real quickly that they didn't have the offensive line yeah. to go along with that. Um, they lost, I mean, all five of them who started this, well, there's more than five, but all, all the guys that they had penciled in from last year were, were now gone from a year ago. So they were pretty much, I mean, didn't help that David DeCastro was a guy that was a late injury release. We're talking about late June. So all of a sudden you got five new starters. Just a couple of those guys get hurt, and I think they realized pretty quickly that they wanted to run the ball, but they weren't going to be able to run the ball. Then you had, then you compound that with, um, you know, the quarterback that's probably not able to take you on your back and just win games. So they had a thought of how they wanted to go about this season, how they wanted to win defense, running the game, have been throw eight to ten passes a game that. That are difference-making passes, and sort of like 2019 when Buck Hodges and Mason Rudolph uh, started for an injured Roethlisberger, and then they won eight of their first, well, they were eight and five before they collapsed down the stretch. But it just didn't happen because the defense got hurt. They weren't able to hold up their own. They're one of the worst, if not the worst, rush defenses in the league, even though they had some huge sack numbers. So the whole plan they had 
when he put forward between this time last year in March, just totally blew up in their face. And they're just going to basically now start all over again. And this time, you know, do it with a new quarterback. Yeah. I, I remember having you on about this time last year. We talked about some of those cap casualties that were coming with the uh, the cap mess they were in. And we knew that the offensive line was going to be poached. We didn't realize there was a retirement and an injury coming. But um, <laughs> it was bad from day one. I mean, that was going to be – the, the Steelers and the Bears' offensive line was as, as clear as day going to be bad from week one. Um, I'm not sure that's fixable in one offseason here, but that's got to be the precedence, right? And And – yeah. And Mark, is that does that come before the quarterback? Are, are these rumors about Mason Rudolph being being thrown out there because they simply don't have an offensive line to tolerate a brand new, sparkly new young quarterback right now? Yeah, I mean, first of all, if you look at the free agent market, I mean, uh, when you when the guy that just retired on your team's number one on a free agent market <laughs> list, that's pretty much tells you where the free agent market is and where they sit in the draft. And even even if you can get one of those top three or four guys in the draft, are they going to be able to come in right away and be able to uh, help out a team? So I think their plan is to somehow add a quarterback, but they need to add those other pieces. And, I mean, the one thing that uh, we don't really talk about very much is is how much that cap did go down last year yeah. and how the Steelers were preparing their three year in advance of how much they were going to spend. And they spent to the limit over the limit restructuring deals. Then they had to somehow, you know, force fit 20 plus million, you know, money out of their salary cap, what they were, were projecting just to get some guys, you know, just to have be cap compliant by the middle of March. And that hurt their depth. I mean, they had absolutely no depth because they weren't able to go out and address that. They were cutting people like Steven Nelson and guys like that just to get under the salary cap. At least they have money this year. They have anywhere in excess, according to your site, you know, 45 million. And that can go up depending on some, you know, potential people they can cut ties with. They could have up over... 50 plus million dollars to spend with and you follow the sealers at all over the salary cap era if they have like two dimes you'd be hell happy i mean the biggest off-season acquisition where they pay people i mean free agency wise i believe was steven nelson at eight million dollars i'm talking about that that march first wave type of people not joe hayden so they don't spend money in free agency whatsoever because they never had it because they're always spent to the limit this year, maybe they can expedite some of their problems because they actually have money to go out and spend. But on the flip side of that, so does everybody else, right? So I'm guessing inflation and free agency is going to be pretty high this year as well. So it's going to be interesting offseason. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I was, I, I have a bullet note here to kind of equate them to the Patriots from last year, who, who have, they've always lived right razors thin up against that edge. And then last year they decided we're going to blow it up and we're going to spend and we're going to see what we can do quickly on the rise here. And it did work to some degree. By the way, you're right. About 42 and change in cap space. They can, rest- they will restructure TJ Watt and make that about 50, 51. Pretty I mean, easily. There's some, there's some cuttable guys on there too. There are. I mean, you could throw in, I believe, Schobert. You can make some money off yeah. to it. If you want to move on from to it who didn't play this year, there's money there. Um, I believe Zach Banner could be some money there. I mean, so they can get it to where they want it. That's for sure. They could. And, and let's go there because what you're, what you're basically saying is, is opening up more holes. You know, there's holes all over this roster right now, unfortunately, not just the quarterback. It, this isn't going to be a one-year deal, you know, and Baltimore is probably going to be better next year. Cleveland should sustain. I'm not sure. I, I don't even know what that team is anymore right now. <laughs> and Cincinnati, you know, clearly is the top dog right now with a young, athletic, strong team. Yeah. So is this a, a situation where Mike Tomlin and I guess we have to talk GM in a bit here are, are going to slow play this thing? Or do you think it's going to be let's rip this off and go right now? I think they always had plans of making – the last year or this this season that just ended right now being that final one last run at the Super Bowl and you see how they structured all their contracts with portable years they don't really have a ton of money wrapped up in players that they can't get out of I mean of course Hayward Watt they're gonna have to pay Minka Fitzpatrick I mean I'm sure they're gonna pay maybe Deontay Johnson but they don't have a lot of money wrapped up in guys and I think that was by design 
that the, now they can go move forward and, and massage this roster however they want. And I think they need to obviously start number one if both lines. I mean, offensive line, they do have Dan Moore, who was at left tackle, played 16 and 17 games, struggled at times, but now he got experience. Um, Kevin Dawson, two years ago, was you know pretty highly regarded, was shocked that he was a fourth-round pick. He missed like nine games this year with an ankle injury. Kendrick Green, center, rookie, played probably 13 of 17 games or something like that. But he really didn't excel very much. I mean, Trey Turner's probably going to be gone. The whole right tackle situation's in the mess. So I don't know if you can go out and get free agent tackles or to help right away, but that's more of a draft thing. But still draft tackles in the first round. Just look at it. So they might have to change their philosophy a little bit, but they have to address, I do believe, the offensive and defensive line. The offensive line could be good, but you can count on Stefan Tu to come back after missing an entire season because an injury slash, you know, emotional problems because his brother – was tragically killed right before the season started. I mean, Tyson Alualu is going to be 35. He was a huge loss this year. And uh, uh, with that broken ankle, I think game two. So, they, I mean, look at the cornerback position, Joe Hayden in the stadiums. So uh, they got a lot of places to fill. But the question is, which which angle do they take? I mean, they got enough talent. I mean, this team still won nine games somehow, yeah, or nine and a half. You know, if you want to count that tie in there. So, I don't think they'll totally rip it down because that's not the Steelers' way. But it's going to be more turnover than you might think, or or they're accustomed to doing. Uh, I think you, I, I think you're right. I think the angle you're taking here is good, and the, and the names you're throwing out there makes sense to me. If you just start with your first your first sentence there, which is. Micah Fitzpatrick, T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward. I mean, I, I want to throw Devin Bush in there, but man, it was a weird year for him. Um, you know, and he's coming up on the, on the end of that rookie contract here in a year or two. So I'm going to include him because I think he can rebound. But if you put those four guys into a conversation, all locked up, all can be massaged and restructured as needed there. That's not a bad place to start for a team that's, you know, thinking about going down, not up right now. And then if you flip to the offensive side of the ball, no question, Deontay gets a contract in my in my opinion. So Deontay, whatever you can get out of Claypool, Farmer a guy. I mean, you're going to move on from Eric Ebron because you got a guy now. And then Harris is certainly the fourth piece to that puzzle. That's four good offensive weapons and four really strong, well positioned defensive players. That's that's most teams' recipe for starting right there. So I don't think they can rip the whole bandaid off and go all the way down to the bottom. Not even of this division. They're going to compete with Baltimore with those eight just alone. Yeah. I mean, you can even throw Alex Highsmith in there. Sure. The other outside linebacker who had a pretty decent year in his you know, first year starting. They view him as a guy, as a long-term uh, you know, the guy that could be in, in line for a second contract here in a couple of years. I mean, the, but the issue, like I mentioned before, was depth. You look at anything behind that, and you're just scratching your head, and you're like, <laughs> man, who, who in the world are we going here? We're going with – you know, James Pierre, I mean, when we're looking at a guy like a killer Witherspoon might be your guy that you want to make sure you bring back next year to be a starting cornerback, a guy that, you know, has bounced around, that has the talent, you have to question that as well. But that, that inside linebacker, you cannot, I mean, you know this, you can't lose on first-round picks uh, like a Devin Bush. I mean, they traded up 10 spots to get him. And he was absolutely awful this year. And even trading for Joe Schobert was a mistake. I mean, he did not perform like they were assuming he was going to perform as well. So, I mean, they just better – I mean, to, to move this forward a little bit, Devin Bush will have to have a back bounce-back season because you, you get set back a year or two if you're, if you're just, you know, having a 10th overall pick where you gave up, I think, a first and a third to get him. Then all of a sudden you're like, ah, you're no good, and let's start this over again. That's just, that's just not acceptable. I put you back. So I think Devin Bush is a huge key moving forward. And I, th- I would anticipate them uh, putting the fifth year con- fifth year option on him. I mean, I don't see why it would hurt. I mean, it's it, it not like you're married to him forever. I mean, it's just a, another year or what, ten, twelve, thirteen, and whatever a million dollars it is. Yeah. So I mean. You have to hope for the best there. You can't throw him away and just say, ah, he's done because after coming off a 
pretty major knee injury, he was a shell of himself, and that's what he was this year. Yeah, two reasons I do it, and generally I'd say no, especially now that it fully guarantees the second you exercise it. But one, because of the draft capital he gave up, you mentioned it. Two, you can't tag him because the linebacker tag isn't worthy of an inside linebacker salary. So you're, you're not going that route. So I do think you lock him into the fifth year and hope for the best over the next two seasons with him. Um, look, let's talk about the trades because to me, it's going to be a big part of how a lot of these middling teams get to that next level. And I put Pittsburgh, I mean, nine, nine wins. You said it, that's middle of the road right now. So how do they, how do they get to 11 wins next year? To me, it's going to be via the trade. They have decent draft picks. As you mentioned, there's a, there's a middle round pick in every round uh, outside of the sixth round, a, a comp, a comp pick at the end of the fourth round, I think. So yeah, I think uh, that's for Bud Dupree. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. But if I'm looking at the trades and I've got it up here in front of me, you're right. Schobert was a miss. Two years ago, Williamson was a miss. Uh, you know, Minka was a home run. And I crushed that early. That, that That's a home run. And I think nobody can disagree with that. Um, but how do you – is that an avenue for this offensive line, Mark? Is that how – we've seen the Chiefs do this. We've seen the Ravens do this. Um, it seems like that's the way to go. And there are teams right now – I'm thinking of the Saints specifically and maybe even Dallas – who are going to flip some of these offensive linemen, A, for cap purposes, and B, because they need other positions to fill right now. Yeah. I mean, I would. my my opinion is they should see what the Chiefs did and follow that to a T. Now, you might have to dra- draft Creed Humphrey and uh, a six-round guard to surprise everybody. But what did they do? They spent money on Joe Thune, mm-hmm. and he was, a, he was a star. They traded for Orlando Brown, who filled a hole. They drafted two guys, and all of a sudden you have a pretty uh, – an offensive line that almost got Mahomes killed in the Super Bowl all of a sudden was pretty strong. But you know what? They did have a chance to draft, draft Creed Humphrey, and they chose Friarman instead. But we can debate that all, all you want. But, yeah, but you know, the Steelers, historically they don't like to trade, but that history has been thrown out the window here in the past three or four years, and they pretty much do what they have to do or need – you know, whatever they have to do, they do. So I would, I would say so, especially if you can get one of those guys you mentioned for, you know, a low round pick. You know, you're going to move on from him regardless. If it's any of the guys in Dallas, you're going to move on for him. Nobody really wants him. So let's give up a fifth and a, and then swap six or something like that. Yeah. Steelers are all for that type of situation, especially if they're going to lose. You know. Some guys via free agency this year, and you think maybe they could lose Joe Hayden. I don't know how much he'd bring on the open mark, but it might be okay. But yeah, I can see that happening absolutely. But I don't think they're going to go to the fact where they're going to overspend. They're not going to go uh, give me. Uh, I'm just trying to think of a guy off the top of my head. Even so like a Taron Armstead out of the Saints. That's too big. Yeah, that's too rich. Any of those guys. Yeah. Hey, we're going to give you. A second round pick, nah, then the receivers will be tapping out right away, right there. But if they can get him on the cheap and a guy who can come in and, and be a starter, they would do that. I mean, they did that with not trade wise, but they, they waited till June to bring in Trey Turner, who nobody wanted him and he was banged up a little bit. He was okay this year, but imagine the offensive line if you didn't have a 30 year old five time pro bowler on that this year and you had. Everybody was 22 and never never took a snap. That would have been even more disastrous. And I can see it potentially happening. But they, I mean, regardless, they have to address it one way or another more than just a what they typically do—a second-round pick or a fifth-round pick. Or you look at the history of undrafted free agent line offensive linemen the Steelers have—it's pretty large. I don't think you can go that route this year in the near future yeah you can't screw around right now it's the it's the it's the key to the puzzle to get yourself back into contention regardless of who the quarterback is a lot of what you're saying is coming through the eyes and the scope of kevin colbert is the assumption that he is going to retire still uh he's been doing the one-year contract for three or four years now where after the draft he makes that decision it's a widely believed that he does not want to leave this team in a bad position he wants to have them you know, pretty much set up maybe with a new quarterback with a cap situation where it's, you know, they're not in cap hell or anything like that, where they're moving forward so they can he can hand it over to a guy who's in his early 40s and give him a good chance to succeed. Uh, Mike Tomlin did talk on Tuesday and just read between the lines. It sure sounds like there have been 
a lot of conversations about Kevin Colbert stepping back after this draft. So, uh, I mean, they got people in house that will probably take over for that position. So, right now, I mean, Kevin, he, if you know anything about Kevin, he, he's not talking about himself. He'll talk to us here in probably a couple of weeks, and I guarantee he won't say anything about <laughs> if he's leaving or staying. He's a guy that has that one line press release a week after the draft that says he's retiring, and that's the last time you hear from him. That's a that's the type of guy he is. But if I was a betting man right now, I would I was I would assume that he would be gone. You know, as the main guy, he maybe he'll be sailing as advisor or something like that. But he's he's very cognizant of the fact of where this team is, and he doesn't want to leave him in the bad. There's no way he was leaving last year after, you know, negative twenty plus million dollars in cap that right. they had to get out from under, and the quarterback <laughs> that might be leaving, and all this other stuff. I mean, so yeah, I was I would assume that he. But I was Batman, like I said, I think he'd be gone after the after the draft. All right, so it sounds like you believe that it'll be an internal hire, it'll be a promotion, which makes yeah. me think that uh, a lot of the the structure and the strict rules that come along with Pittsburgh Steelers contracts and honestly their draft mm-hmm. their draft process is going to stay in place. Would you agree yeah. with that? Or let me ask. Yeah, me, here's me, here's what I believe is going yeah, go to ahead. happen. I mean, the GM. I mean, you can have, either have a GM who's a numbers guy or a GM who's a who's a scout guy. It's very unusual to have both as a one. Steelers have Omar Khan, who is their strict cap guy, right. who, who he has aspirations of being a GM, but he's a guy that's crunching the numbers, getting these salaries, knowing where uh, where they need to be, where they are now, where they need to be, where the cap's going. Then they got a guy who's in their scouting department for the past 10 or so years, Brandon Hunt early 40s strictly pro scouting coordinator he's the tape guy he's the evaluation guy so he replaces Colbert um Omar stays in his same role and is pretty much business as usual moving forward that's how I anticipate it happening because if you move a guy like Omar Khan who is very good at what he does with the contracts into a general manager role. It's a totally different dynamic what they do now. Right now it's Kevin Colbert is the scouting football guy. He talks to Tomlin. They run through things, talk to Art Rooney, make decisions like that. So I think that, you know, as you know, three coaches, 58 years or whatever it is, (laughs) Steelers aren't aren't really uh, adept to change. So I think if anything can stay – the same when it comes to, uh, you know, uh, inner office stuff, behind the scenes stuff like that. I think Art Rooney's going to stay that way. So I, that's what I would anticipate. I mean, I don't think the Steelers have ever hired a GM or what, what do they call it before? Pro personnel? Pro personnel, right. Yeah. Something like that. They never hired one who was outside the building or who didn't have strong Pittsburgh ties. So you pretty much know their formula. So I would have him and Brandon Hunt, who the guy who I think will take over for Kevin Colbert is a guy that grew up like, you know, 20 minutes North of the city. So it makes all the sense to me. It's fascinating. Let's, let's stay there for a couple more questions before we get to the quarterback. What is the sense in Steelers nation right now? I mean, remarkable consistency. Obviously, the Tomlin winning streak is ridiculous. Ben's career record was 165-81-1, which is unheard of, uh, you know, for that kind of length. Are they antsy, though, that the Super Bowl has has eluded them for so long now? I mean, ben, it feels like forever ago that Ben was in the Super Bowl. Antsy? Yeah, I wouldn't even say antsy. They just, okay, so there's some animosity. Well, no, all I'm saying is this town is use this team as a complete failure really over the past 10, 10 years oh they're uh, yeah they're rough they're rough you would be you would be shocked to know how many people did not want roethlisberger could come back and would just absolutely destroy him on a daily basis uh for a year now of his decision to come back and pick apart everything he did he can't throw he can't do this he can't do this he can't do this and mike tomlin forget about it it was 15 uh uh, non-losing seasons are quickly rebutted by a lot of people saying, yeah, but what has he won lately? Nah, he haven't won a, they've lost five straight playoff games. They haven't won a play. They haven't won a, made it to the Super Bowl in 12 years. Yeah, he, he made it. He won the Super Bowl with Cowers players in 0809. I think that's just this area expecting more. I mean, from the outside, maybe Mike Tomlin's considered 
this, uh, you know, Messiah of a coach in Pittsburgh, they're just saying, why haven't we won? We need to win. I don't care about being mediocre. Is that, is that what our goal is as an organization now is to be a team that's eight and eight and not have a losing season as we're going to win the, the Super Bowl title. So it's tough to be a Pittsburgh fan right now. I'm not saying that everyone's saying this, but a majority of them are totally frustrated with how this organization sits today, how little they have won. I mean, look at their last three playoff games. They've given up like 140 points to opponents in their last three playoff games. And a lot of that came in the first half. That just does not that it just does not sit well with uh, the, the, the diehards here. So whatever the view is on the outside of this being a stable organization, the view from up close is uh, we're just not very good anymore. And it may have passed Mike Tomlin by. It might have – Art Rooney needs to sell the team. You know how the fans get. Sure. <laughs> That's basically how the feeling is. Yeah, I'm Buffalo-based, so we just got used to losing. And, uh, you know, when you don't lose, you just sit here and wait for them to screw it up and lose at some point anyway. So uh, hopefully you don't get to that stage. I mean, it's I don't know if it's better to be in the middle of the road. Maybe you should just be losing and get better draft picks. But uh, that's not going to happen here. So so let's smooth transition from, from that great answer into this question, which I'm sure you've gotten and are going to get another two dozen times here. Why didn't they better prepare this quarterback situation, Mark? I mean, it's not like Ben was 32 and fell off a cliff. <laughs> they knew what they were about to get into. And, you know, then they squeeze another year out of it and they still didn't address it. Are they just hoping that they find lightning in a bottle in Kenny Pickett in in a in a in a draft pick by trade for Kirk Cousins? Where are we going here and why wasn't it addressed last year? Well, it, it's tough. I mean, first of all, last year, the, the money situation. I mean, what, what are you going to get get on the open market? You know how quarter, any sort of franchise-capable quarterbacks, you're not going to get very often on the free agency market. And as you said, that mediocrity played in uh, against them for, for a number of years where they're always 8-8, eight and 9-7, eight, and seven, whatever it is. They never had the ability to get that guy in the draft. So you see the one time they had that losing, the last losing season they had was incidentally in 2003. And we know what happened in 2004 with the 11th overall pick. They take Ben Roethlisberger. So they just figured that they just it's – it's a very hard situation to – to bring somebody in and, and think they're going to be able to replace what they already had. I mean, they used some draft capital on Mason Rudolph, Landry Jones, not, not, nothing, nothing huge. I mean, we're talking about still Roethlisberger was in his early thirties when they bring Landry Jones and maybe mid thirties when they bring Mason Rudolph in. But at that point they're thinking they're winning, have an opportunity to win divisions, win Super Bowls. So why are they wasting a draft pick on a guy that's probably not going to play for four or five years? So that, that was their mentality right there. I mean, it's just not any easy answer to replace a a guy who's been a quarterback for 18 seasons. I mean, he's just, I mean, do you really want to go out and get Kirk Cousins? I mean, no, but you know, I don't think I don't think this team I don't think this team's close enough to to need a Kirk Cousins. I mean, there's a lot of chatter around this town about Aaron Rodgers and oh, how the people want him. I mean, you tell me you're giving up multiple draft picks, 40 million bucks for a team that might not still win because there's so many holes. I mean, same goes with Russell Wilson. I mean, it's just delusions of grandeur here of how good this team could be just by replacing the quarterback. Now, if you tell me you're going to be Deshaun Watson with a clean slate and you know, not that expensive. Maybe I'll talk right there. If not, I mean, you just have to hope at some point that you fall into one, right? You hope you fall into Sam Howell, Matt Corral, Kenny Pickett, and just build it from there on out. Or maybe Mason Rudolph. I don't know. Mason Rudolph, you think about it, he really was put in a bad situation. Mm-hmm. He, was a, he was a third-round pick. Um, they – didn't have a quarterback coach's rookie year. He's a third-string guy. Um, got no reps in practice. He had to do virtual reality just to get reps his rookie year. Six quarters into his sophomore year, his second year with the Steelers, he's the starting quarterback. He gets slammed upside the head by uh, Earl Thomas. He gets cracked over the head by Miles Garrett, and he, then he breaks his shoulder. 
then I mean, the guy, all while having no quarterback coach to lean on, so they never put him in a situation to succeed. I don't believe. So uh, maybe if maybe they this past couple of years he spent time with Matt Kennedy, got a new offensive new quarterback coach. Finally, with Mike Sullivan, maybe that helps him out. But it's tough, Mike. I don't know how you go about replacing a superstar quarterback unless you have a top five pick. And I don't believe they view themselves as having a top five pick ever. They, they just don't. That's right. Just don't feel that way. They don't. They don't lose enough. Um. So quickly back to last year, and I hate. I hate to. Spe- and obviously, you know, hindsight is horrible in this, but. Were, if Ben didn't return, were they in on Sam Darnold? Were they in on Teddy Bridgewater? Was that going to be an option for them last year? Or was it strictly going to be Mason Rudolph's team and they'll figure it out as they go? It probably was going to be Mason Rudolph. They probably would have added somebody else on the outside. I don't know if it would be Darnold or anybody else to that degree. I mean, they did get Dwayne Haskins, who is you know, a cheaper version of Darnold, maybe. I mean, a guy that was a high-round pick that really hasn't panned out. So they got him for for nothing. I mean, that's still an option on the table for the Steelers coming up here next year. I mean, I don't know. Haskins look good in preseason, but he still needs a lot of of work to do. So I, I don't think so. I think there was always going to be Mason Rudolph, and that's the argument around here too. Is you know, wasted a year. I mean, you can know what you had in Mason Rudolph if you moved on from Ben. What's the worst thing can happen? The Steelers go five and twelve, and then you get a good draft pick but you get a good draft pick in a in a draft where there is no consensus top five quarterback pick so do you waste it you know it's just tough I mean I, I don't think Bridgewater would have been a part of it I mean look at him he's he's been hurt so often and you know he's in his 30s I mean do you really want to go down that road too I mean even potentially if Daniel Jones comes free here for some odd reason because a new GM a new head coach comes in and they just cut ties and want to get rid of him for a six-round pick or a fifth-round pick. Is that is that the route you want to go? I think what they're going to do is they're going to have plans, for, obviously, for uh, the draft because, I mean, free agency and see what they can – if anything's out there, then if that doesn't work, I think their backup plan is obviously going to be the, be the draft and see if they can somehow get one of those – top four quarterbacks who are in the middle of the round. But you, you look at quarterbacks, man. Any first round quarterbacks, it's, I think it's less than 50%, right? Of, oh. I mean, uh, probably like 20%. I, I, just, I, mean, did a tweet, I Mark. just think of Jake Locker and guys <laughs> like that. And I'm thinking, oh. I, I just did a tweet, Mark, where the first guy, take, the first quarterback taken is almost never the best quarterback in that class. And, and honestly, <laughs> the second quarterback is usually the worst quarterback in the, in the draft. So... <laughs> It, it's just weird how it's been the last 10 years. Um, yeah, I mean, it's tough. I mean, I, I mean, it's, what are you going to do? I think Jake Locker, Blaine Gabbard. <laughs> yeah. uh, who else? Haskins, RG3. Yeah, it, it's, yes. it's weird. But then you get guys like Russell Wilson, 90th. You know, he, I mean, it makes no sense. So if you look at the Steelers, you're thinking, okay, if we do our right evaluations, maybe we can get this guy in the third round rather than screwing up another first-round pick. I mean, they, they don't have much. They don't much have uh, much uh, background in selecting quarterbacks early on. I think they had Bradshaw, what, in the 70s, Mark Malone in the 80s, and I think you had uh, Ben in the 90s or in the 2000s of first-round pick quarterbacks. It's not like it's something they do every single day. They might be good at picking head coaches, but I don't know they're good at drafting quarterbacks yeah everything you said though kind of alludes to the fact that they love to stay local they love to keep it in-house or at least close to, you know they love to read the newspapers and kind of react it sounds like so the, the kenny pickett stuff's not going to go away i mean that's going to be the logical mock draft i would assume i haven't looked at too many just yet but you know Najee harris was like the perfect steelers pick and that's exactly what they did is, is this where we're headed is this going to be the next well, ben pick? I, I think i think the, the city would love it but yeah that's 20th overall now, unless you're moving up in the draft. You know how this goes when they start doing combines mm-hmm. and uh, pro days. All of a sudden, that quarterback that was should have been lace first round pick all of a sudden sneaks up to uh, being mocked in the 10s. Then when draft day comes, he's taken fifth overall. And you're like, what in the world? How did this happen? So I think he's going to be priced out of the Steelers unless the Steelers want to make a huge move, jump up, and then that 10, 10 round move up that they did to get to get Devin Bush, I just think a lot of those guys are going to be gone. 
maybe maybe some of the lower tier ones. I mean, lower tier first round guys. Like, but do you, do you feel confident that Sam Howell is going to be a guy that's going to lead your team to the Super Bowl in three or four years? Same with Matt. Gray. I mean, I, I think Matt Gray will fit mm-hmm. pretty nicely into what if they keep Matt Canada the offensive corner, which is they anticipated they do. I think he would fit in there right away but I mean Mike Tomlin said this on Tuesday he's actually looking forward to this a little bit sort of uh, a new challenge for him to find that next guy and it's going to be a challenge yeah we're going to see just how good of a coach he is over the next two years because it's going to be a whole different animal for him uh I'm going to I'm going to give you one more name that we'll get we'll get out of here Mark and, and you may laugh at me you may think this fits this to me fits with everything you've said they, they want to nickel and dime into this they don't want to go up in the draft they, you know, they're looking for a fifth, sixth, seventh round trade in a lot of these instances. Is there a chance that Gardner Minshew is the week one starter for this Pittsburgh Steelers team? <laughs> oh, I'm not going to say no to this. I, I like it. <laughs> I'm not going to say no. Once again, he's under contract, but I'm sure they can get rid of him, especially with the Eagles having three first round picks That's and they're right. probably going to take one. So I think Minshew would quite be a, uh, a cheap get in the, you know, there's a guy that's had talent. He's he's mobile, which seems like that's what I mean, mobile in a degree of what Mike Tomlin wants. And um, yeah, I think he's definitely uh, in play. But he's a type of guy that. And another thing is, it would fit into the timeline. The bridge I think, guy. that they're looking for. Yep. Because you look, okay, they go through free agency. Ah, we don't got anybody go through the draft you know what this tackles in the first round we didn't get a quarterback second day of the draft hey hey philly uh i see you took a quarterback here with the 19th overall pick where's Minshew at uh, we'll give you a sixth round pick next year for him okay we're going to cut him anyways so i can see the timeline working out there where they find themselves in no situation of getting a quarterback and all of a sudden there's one sitting there they can they can basically just steal from the eagles who has you know, he never had much talent around him. He hasn't had much chance, but he's always seemed to produce. So, yeah, I, I don't think that's crazy at all. I mean, I think it would depend on what they do in free agency and how that first round of the draft come. But I think that would be a great second-day draft day trade if things don't work out for the Steelers. You can find him at Mark Cabali on Twitter and certainly read him at The Athletic. Mark, it's going to be a fun offseason for you. Thanks for the time. Yeah, we actually have to evaluate quarterbacks for the first time in 20 years. So, you know, I might have to make my way to Mobile. I'm not, never had to worry about going there because we didn't really care about quarterback situations. But all of a sudden, I'm going to be like trudging around in South Alabama trying to find out, talk to some of these quarterbacks because <laughs> that's what anybody's interested in. First time in 20 years, they're actually going to be legitimately looking for a quarterback. How about that? Thank you, Mark. All right. All right, my thanks to Mark. Again, Mark Caballi on Twitter, all Ks. My thanks to The Athletic, Mark's employer. Visit theathletic.com slash Spotrek for 40% off your first year. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spotrek podcast.